Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined as always by the man whose pre-podcast recording routine involves smearing octopus ink in his oxters and doing a handstand. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? Um, I'm, I don't know if you can see, you probably can in the webcam, but... I don't know if this ever happened. I don't no. know if this ever happens when you lived here in Dubai, but we've had quite a few mosquitoes in the house this year. We never had them last year. Oh yeah. And normally they wouldn't be really the bother with me, but last night, if just before I was I was going out and I've been bitten on the back of the hand, and the back of my hand is like swollen up and on the wrist, and my my mm. wrist's so swollen that I couldn't get my watch on today. So I'm watch oh, wow. I'm watchless, which feels a bit weird because I'm I always better watch. Um, so yeah, I need to try and uh, find out find out how we're going to deal with this mosquito problem. I do. I did used to get bitten, but funnily enough, it wasn't my hand. For some reason, at night they would get me, right. and I would always sleep naked. And it was always my backside and the backs of my thighs right. that they used to bite. Right. Which was not very great. You know, when you're sitting down, it's quite uncomfortable when you've got mosquito bites all over yeah, you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was usually where they used to attack me. But I never really got bothered in my arms or hands or anything. I mean, I don't usually get bothered at all by them. They don't usually, they don't usually bite me, as I say. But um, yeah, I had to take a Claritin before we started recording because because no. I was my wrist is my hand is so swollen. But yeah, came pain in the arse. I know. I mean, I'm sitting here moaning about mosquitoes when in the UK fuel prices are flying up and energy prices are flying up and there's a fucking it, Russian invasion of Ukraine and all the other misery in the world. So Yeah, I did see that the Chancellor had reduced fuel by five pence. And then I saw someone online saying that they'd driven past the petrol station like that day and they'd put the price up by 5p <laughs> so they could reduce it the next day. Right. <laughs> it would just be the same price. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's what happens in the UK. So sorry. Sorry for flaunting my first world problems uh, on everybody. But mosquito bites are fucking itchy and annoying. Ah, terrible. Terrible. Never mind. But yeah, they are. They're they're very annoying and very uncomfortable as Mm. well. And do you not often find, I used to anyway, that I could probably have had a bite and I wouldn't really notice it until you kind of notice it. And once you've spotted it, it becomes the itchiest thing known to man. But before you probably had it all day you hadn't even noticed it and then you're like oh 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 yeah yeah it's not good just one of those things well have you been up to i am not a huge amount it's been a lovely week here in amsterdam the sun is shining um not not a great deal been working um was out for a run this morning we have uh where we live it's like on one of the big rivers in amsterdam and there's boats often dock here and there is a boat that has just docked over kind of over on the waterway where I usually go for my morning run. And it's uh, for Ukrainian refugees. And there's a, a little park there. So it's really nice because they've what they've done is they put picnic benches in. They've put up a flagpole with a Ukrainian flag. Um, they've made the area looking really nice. So it's, it was lovely, actually, running there. There was lots of uh, Ukrainians, people just out and enjoying the sunshine. So it was nice to, to live in a country that they're welcoming people here and and making a good effort for them to come over and enjoy themselves uh, no such activity in dubai (laughs) you may you probably i would imagine not you'll be no (laughs) doubt unsurprised to hear uh well on that bombshell (laughs) um shall we have a look at what's been going on in the news in scotland this last week or so greg let's do it cue the jingle This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here 
is what's been going on in the news. Okay, so what have you seen in the news uh, for the last couple of weeks, Greg, that has caught your eye in Scotland? Well, a couple of weeks ago, well, sorry, a couple of episodes ago, I should say, uh, we were discussing uh, the lovely gift that you received from your wife, your little bit of land in Glencoe, mm. which now makes you yes. laird, Nicky. Yes. So the at, at the time of recording, it's uh, the 26th of March, it's the Oscars tomorrow night, I believe. And the headline is, Hollywood A-listers warned over plots of Highland land in Oscars goodie bags. Uh, Hollywood A-listers have been given a warning about the plots of Highland land they will get in their goodie bags at tomorrow's Oscars. King Richard star Will Smith, Spencer actress uh, Kristen Stewart and being the Ricardos, Nicole Kidman are among the nominees who will receive a £76,000 goodie bag. Wow. A luxury item in the goodie bag from Guernsey registered firm Highland Titles claims uh, recipients will receive Highland land. The plots which cost, I won't say how much they cost because I'm sure you don't want to know how much you're, you're birthday present was um per 100 square feet also include permission to use the title laird or lady of glencoe and celebrities can visit whenever they choose but land reform expert a former green msp and i think just general all-round buzzkill andy whiteman has written to the stars to warn them that they will not be an official laird or lady despite the title bestowed upon them he also claims that they have no legal right to the plots as they have not been transferred to them through the official scottish land register whiteman told the stars you have a piece of paper several probably with impressive sounding claims and illustrations. However, they remain just pieces of paper and provide you with nothing more than that. The swag bags will be given to Academy Award nominees by the Los Angeles marketing firm Distinctive Assets. They reportedly include access to liposuction, gold-infused extra virgin olive oil, and a stay at the five-star Turin Castle when Forfer, complete with butler service oh. and a bagpipe ceremony. Uh, the treats are to be given to Oscar nominees who include Steven Spielberg, Benedict Cumberbatch, Denzel Washington, Judy Dench, Jessica Chastain, Olivia Coleman, and Penelope Cruz. Uh, Highland Titles website offers souvenir plots ranging from one square foot to a hundred, as well as the offer of becoming Lord, Laird, or Lady of Glencoe. But a newspaper investigation in 2015 found the government agency responsible for keeping records of land ownership denied any land changes hands in the so-called souvenir plot deals. The head of legal services at the Register of Scotland said at the time land can only be registered on the land register if it meets certain requirements. So Whiteman is basically just fucking... I mean, I, I can't imagine Will Smith turning up in Glencoe with like a team of builders <laughs> looking for his plot. You know what I mean? I'm sure that everybody understands that they are symbolic gifts, you know? You would think so. I don't think he's expecting to become the fresh prince of Glencoe. <laughs> no, I don't think he is. And <laughs> they turn up with Jazzy and yeah. building some sort of yeah house. Um, no, I think everyone knows it's just a gimmick and it's a bit of paper. I, I haven't read the small print. And to say it's just a bit of paper is ridiculous. I got a little card that I can put in my wallet to say I'm a laird. I got a little yeah. sticker I could, I could put in my car windscreen <laughs> if I... <laughs> had a car to say that I was a laird. Yeah, we know it's just a, a kind of gimmick thing, but uh, that's a bit shit to, to shit upon it. And hey, I was looking forward to rubbing shoulders with Will Smith yeah. and Christian Stewart on my plot of land when I go and visit it. Yeah, give them a wave in the morning as you come out your tent. <laughs> but you have to remember, 
Andy, Andy Whiteman is a former Green MSP and a land reform expert. You know what I mean? So I don't think we're talking about somebody who's the life and soul of the party here. No. So you're saying he's a bit of a, just a killjoy yeah. boring buzz. Hey, Fair play, though. This has worked in the favour of Highland titles, because I'd imagine they've probably given the Academy Awards a heavily discounted rate for this, and the amount of publicity they're getting on the back of this means they'll probably make their money back in terms of sales of people wanting to get this. So good on them, actually. They've they've done a a good job. And now a word from our sponsor... Highland titles. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So anyway, who's your, have you have you seen any of the Oscar nominated films? I know that you and your lovely wife used to you used to watch the nominated ones and the run up, didn't you? We used to, yeah. And I'll be honest, I did see the nominations this year. And I think thinking, not really arsed with any of them, to be honest. No. Um, oh, we have watched, we've watched Don't Look Up and I watched June. And I do want to watch Licorice Pizza, which I downloaded. But the rest, I'm kind of like, I don't want to watch West Side Story. Nightmare Alley, as you're aware, not up my street. Uh, my good lady wife did want to watch Power of the Dog until I told her I don't think it's actually about a dog. <laughs> um <laughs> And then she didn't want to. Uh, so no, I'm I'm not really fussed this year. It's the first year in quite a long time right. that I'm just like, I, I can't be bothered, to be honest. There's nothing there that really is appealing to me. What about yourself? Have you seen any of the no, I don't think, Oscar-nominated films? No, my wife... So the weekend before last, uh, my wife and children wanted to have a movie night. And we had seen a trailer for King Richard and ages ago and and Paula, my wife, said, mm. oh, I, I really want to watch that. So for anybody who doesn't know, mm-hmm. King Richard is the Will Smith movie where he plays Venus and Serena Williams' dad, and it's all about them as little girls and how they became tennis uh, superstars. And I was like, well, I said, well, we'll go, we'll, maybe we'll go to the cinema and see it. But then we missed it at the cinema. So I said to her last week, well, should we watch this King Richard? And she said, no, I need to be in the mood for a film like that. So we end up watching Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings instead. <laughs> Which, yeah, everybody, we, we all thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but uh, <laughs> well, I, that isn't in the nominated uh, films list this year. So Shamefully. Shamefully, because it's, no. uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty good time, I have to say, uh, that Shang-Chi movie. I don't know, I haven't, I haven't seen it. I'm, I'm so over. I, although the two of the last three films I've watched have been superhero films, mm-hmm. um, but not really. <laughs> It was um, the Batman and and No Way Home. Yeah. Like they don't really count because because you like them. Yeah, yeah, because I like them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I used to like superhero films. I don't know. I've just gone off them recently. I just got too much. There was too many, and it was too much and too often, and I just uh, got fed up of them. Yeah, I mean, I I still enjoy them. Um, I have to. I got to be honest. I I think uh, this last Spider Man film I, was my favorite film that I saw last year. I thought it was superb. Mm. Um, no, I, I I get it. It do, does feel a bit like they can maybe do with taking a bit of a break, but they won't as long as people keep going. And yeah, and and the thing is, they are pretty because considering there's a lot of them, they're up, most of them are pretty well received. There's not many that mm. that get that you know that don't make money or whatever. So I'm sure they'll just keep. No. I'm sure they'll just keep going on it yeah. until they run out of content. Then they'll just then they'll just they'll just start all over again, like they've done with Spider Man and Batman and Superman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so just start all over again. Oh well, I'll look forward to the new Spawn film coming out in a few years. <laughs> yeah. Then. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. The new Howard the Duck. <clears throat> Uh, that's crying out for a reboot, actually. Well, apparently Kevin Smith was working on development for it, but for a TV series, not for a movie. I don't know. I don't know if it still is or not. Yeah, okay. I, I wouldn't mind watching that. That'd be yeah. good. Anyway, uh, that was my first story. Uh, what's your first story? This week? Uh, my first story comes from the Scottish Sun last week, and the headline is "Teary Me," and it's about a Scots drug dealer who burst into tears after being caught by cops. Uh, So the story goes, a man burst into tears when police rumbled his £25,000 cannabis operation. Darius Jack, that's a great name. Like that's a, that's a pop star name or a a footballer's (laughs) name, not a little drug dealer. Darius Darius Jack, 21, was caught by officers who noticed a stench coming from his car. Terrified Jack began to cry and then he said, sorry, I'm caught. Shopping bags containing cannabis were found in the vehicle and Jack was arrested. When he was arrested, Jack then blurted out, Are you going to search my hoose? There's hundreds in my hoose. There's a sports direct bag in my hoose full of it. (laughs) A search of his home in Ayrshire discovered a hall stashed in the living room, cupboard and kitchen. He had a total of 4,139 kilograms, which could have made £25,000. Jack appeared at Hamilton Sheriff Court and admitting being concerned with the supply of cannabis in April last year. Deputy Fiscal Chloe O'Hara said police constables observed the accused to be driving his vehicle and had cause to follow it to the car park on Main Street in East Kilbride. When officers approached, they could smell a strong smell of cannabis coming from the car and the accused appeared to be nervous and became tearful. Uh, a search of the vehicle was carried out and the accused was placed under arrest. Uh, defending uh, a, a solicitor said it is his position that he was holding the drugs for someone else. That old story, <laughs> yeah? Sheriff Thomas Miller deferred sentence till next month for reports and continued bail. He added, given the value, it is a very serious matter. I just love the fact that he's been arrested and he said, are you going to search my hoose? There's hundreds in my hoose. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a sports direct bag in my hoose full of it. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> I mean, it led to me to think that if he was arrested for having... You know, the cannabis in his car. They wouldn't necessarily go and search his house. Would yeah, I think they probably would. They probably would. Oh, yeah, yeah probably. I think they probably would. Yeah. <laughs> so a cannabis empire thought to be worth about twenty five thousand pounds. They said mm, yes. He's just doing it by himself. <laughs> Yeah, well, Darius Jack, I mean, he hasn't dobbed anyone else in if, if that is the case. Yeah. But no, uh, he's just there on his own. He got caught driving with a strong smell of cannabis and then blurted out that he had it all in a Sports Direct bag. <laughs> There's hundreds of it in my house. So the police obviously took that tip off and went there. So poor old Darius Jack, we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen to him and uh, if he's going to be a popular young lad in prison with a name like that. Do you, do you think his mum named him after Darius of pop stars? Because that's about the right I age. Mean, um, he would be actually. Yeah, you're, um, yeah, you're right. Because he's twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Pop stars was what two thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. He could potentially be the right age for for being named after Darius. What would his namesake think wow. about that sort of behaviour? I wonder. I'd, oh, he'd be. I mean, I'd imagine he would turn a colour blind eye <laughs> to this. <laughs> type thing I think it might leave him yeah. it might leave him feeling blue perhaps yeah yeah, it, yeah. yeah. It, it probably would yeah definitely would leave him feeling blue there's a funny a funny thing about Darius because did he not get you know the pop idol the thing the first one that I think it came down to uh, what's his name Will Young and Gareth Gates mm-hmm. but yeah. was Darius not like the first runner up 
like third or something. He was, yeah. yeah. Darius was third. Um, the thing is, though, it, what a lot of people forget about that is Darius... <laughs> Like, I'm just going to admit this. I don't know if I've mentioned this in the podcast before. I fucking loved Darius. I've met Darius. I got his autograph. Right? I went and got a signed CD from Darius. Um, I got two, actually. I got one from my girlfriend at the time, because we both loved Darius. And he signed hers, Lucky Girl, because he'd met me and he thought I was amazing. Uh, so... <laughs> can't believe I'm going to this pop idol knowledge. So Darius was obviously in Pop Stars and and he was kind of a joke figure in Pop Stars. So when Pop Idol came out, he auditioned for Pop Idol, but he didn't make the final 12 because I think they still thought he was a bit of a joke, even though he'd cut his hair and stuff. Never mind. And then Rick Waller, who was in the final 12, he had to pull out through illness. Right. Now, I put illness in inverted (laughs) commas. For people who don't know, Rick Waller must have been about 40 stone, but he was an incredible singer, but I think Simon Cowell was a bit worried that he was actually going to win the show. So <laughs> paid them off. <laughs> I, the rumor is, yeah, the rumor is that he paid him off, and Rick Waller went away. So they had to bring in a replacement. So they brought in Darius, and yes, Darius finished third in that series of Pop Idol. Yeah, uh, I, 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 what I remember about that Pop Idol, that first one, is that when they were letting people know who was going through the next round. They mm-hmm. put people into like a certain room and then they would say, like, everybody in this room, you're you're going through. Or if it was the other room, you guys are out. Um, I always yeah. thought it was a bit harsh. A bit harsh way of doing it. You know what I mean? Just like one room for winners and one room for losers. Um, but didn't Darius go out with a girl from Species, the movie Species? The, the, Natasha Hen- he married. Natasha yeah. Henstridge, is it? Is that her name? They were married for quite a few uh, years, yeah. I managed yeah, they moved... Um, yeah, he got married, um, but yeah, they they split up. Yeah, right. I, wonder, I wonder what he's doing now, yeah. Darius. I wonder if we could get him on the podcast and he could tell us what it was like to go to be married to Natasha Eswich. <laughs> it's genuinely funny you ask that. He is, I think, he was quite a successful stage actor, so he's in a lot of musicals and right. stuff. And it's very funny you ask this because I nearly used this story a couple of weeks ago on the Swally. There was a story in, I think it was like the Evening Times, and it was about a hairdresser in Glasgow, or a barber, and Gerard Butler came in for a haircut. And this made the news right. that Gerard Butler had gone for a haircut. And there was photos of the barber with Gerard Butler. And in the next photo, it was a photo of Gerard Butler, the barber, and Darius. And it just said, and also with Darius Campbell, because he now goes by Campbell rather than Dinesh. Right who just so happened to be in the shop as he's a regular visitor. And I just wondered if Darius now is like, like if it's some sort of situation like Desmond's <laughs> and Darius just hangs out at this hairdresser all day, just <laughs> with with pork pie. I don't know who pork pie would be. It'd have to be another, maybe Michelle McManus and Darius just hang out at this hairdresser's. <laughs> With, uh, what was his name? Leon Jackson. Oh, yeah. They just hang out at this hairdresser's. Yeah. Yeah. That'd make a great sitcom. Darius, if you're listening, give us a call. Let us know what you're up to. Uh, You can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com. And let us know if you are indeed, he wouldn't be, what was the name of the student guy? Was it Michael or something? I'm I'm giving away my Desmond's knowledge here. I can't remember. It's been years since I've seen Desmond's. Because it was pork pie. Then there was the guy who was like the... The student. Yeah. Was there a third one as well, or was it just the two of them? Mm, I, we, oh, I, can't, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've seen Desmond. Might have just been two. Yeah. It's on uh, 
Channel 4's streaming service if you want to watch it. I've often thought about watching Desperate, but oh, I don't know if I could bring myself to. So there you go. That's uh, that's Darius Jack, our, our drug dealer. Oh, I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed going down a little Darius uh, yeah. trip of memory lane there. Yeah, I was I was saying to myself, oh, I wonder why he changed his name from Dinesh Campbell, but I suppose if he's been in America for a while, you know, maybe that's why. Uh, no, well, um, Campbell was his mum's maiden name. Um, and because Dinesh was his dad's name, so I think he changed it to Campbell to um, so that his Scottish roots right. kind of right. shone through. Well, don't yeah. know. And maybe you could be right, it, it would, I think it would have coincided around about the time that he moved to America, so yeah, maybe, yeah, Dinesh, not the best, like so Campbell, yeah, maybe suited a bit better. And I think the time he moved to America coincided with when the Twin Towers came down, <laughs> so maybe that's why he changed his name to his mum's maiden name. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have, mate, I think, because that was 2001, and like, what was, oh, yeah, the yeah, series of Pop Idol he was on was about then, right? It would have been. It would have been about, I would say, about 2007, 2008, he moved to America right. because, well, I met him, <laughs> it's like 2005, I think, <laughs> when I met him and I got my signed CD. It was in Woolworths in um, the Bon Accord Centre <laughs> in Aberdeen. <laughs> Did you tell him about your uh, NWA Fuck the Police colorblind no, remix that you... Uh... I didn't. It was genuinely me in a queue with a bunch of teenage <laughs> girls and like 40-year-old women. <laughs> No word of a lie. Imagine Darius. A remix, you say. Well, how how does it go? Oh, hang on. Launching <coughs> <laughs> 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 into it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I don't think that would be appreciated in the like at a lunchtime on a Tuesday afternoon <laughs> in, in Woolworths in Aberdeen. My NWA Jenny from the Block colorblind remix. Oh yeah, I forgot about it's Jenny like, from the Block. Uh, was in there as well. Yeah, it's with Jenny from the Block as yeah. well. I'll tell you what, we're meeting up in May. If uh, if I get drunk enough, you can record me singing <laughs> it, and we can play it on the podcast one week because I'm not singing it now. That's for sure. <laughs> We'll use it as the outro one week. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Ah. Oh, never mind. Okay, what is your second story this week, Greg? All right, so my second story also comes from the Scottish Sun. 24th of March, uh, in big blue letters, it says, Haunted Doll. I bought a a haunted ventriloquist doll. There's a reason the last owner wanted as far away from it as possible. So a Scot who owns a haunted ventriloquist doll says that its mouth spookily opens and closes all by itself. Gregor Stewart, (laughs) 51, from Fife, bought the doll four years ago from a dealer... Uh, in California, which the son has put U.S., in case, like, you know, you thought it was California near Sterling or something like that, uh, who wanted to sell it to someone as far away from him as possible. And some pictures of the doll. Uh, I'm not a fan of dolls, but the ones that give me the willies are the ones that look like, quite real. This doesn't mm. look like that. And then there's a picture of Gregor, who appears to have been thrown in a well. He looks, he's like, he looks like he's in, like, the pit in Buffalo Bill's... Um, uh, seller in Silence of the Lambs. Puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rubs the lotion on its head. Uh, right, so since becoming the owner of the ventriloquist doll, who he has named Uncle Herb, Gregor says he has witnessed the doll opening and closing its mouth, even though the mechanism of the mouth does not work. The building surveyor added, I think that when Uncle Herb opens his mouth, it means that he is not happy about something. When we first got him, we were putting him in a case on his own for a while to give him time to settle in, (laughs) like a dog. (laughs) 
And that was when his <laughs> mouth first opened. And by the time he went to get him back out the case, he had closed his mouth. So I think when he closes his mouth, it means that he is happy and he's settled down again. Oh, fucking hell. It gets worse, right? We spoke to the spirit that was attached to the doll through a spirit box, which is a paranormal mm-hmm. research device which allows spirits to communicate by manipulating white noise to form words and phrases and asked what the name was. I've never heard such nonsense. He told us it was Herbert and we shortened it to Uncle Herb because we know there's a connection to an uncle in his story. The spirit attached to Uncle Herb was frustrated at being forgotten as he had never been given a name and had previously belonged to an elderly woman who kept him in a cupboard. Right, so that doesn't make any sense because if it says that... (laughs) If the sp- it says that if the, s- the spirit, I take the spirit to be the spirit of a person, right? So how can the mm-hmm. spirit of the person be yeah. frustrated at being forgotten, being kept in a cupboard because he belonged to an old lady? Utter, utter horseshit. Since we have, ha- <laughs> since we have had him, he, ha- he has had lots of people engaging with him and he's been given a name. So there is much more positive energy around him. During interaction with Uncle Herb, Gregor says that he has referenced prison. And this is why he believes that he doesn't like being in the case and therefore opens Uh. his mouth to show his feelings towards this. The person that sold Uncle Herb to Gregor got the doll from a family he had known for some time. The elderly lady who had owned the doll had passed away and the family wanted to get rid of him. Gregor said the doll was kept away in a cupboard and the family would hear lots of noises coming from where he was kept. The rest of the family were never keen on the doll and when the lady passed away they wanted it off their hands and gave it to a family friend. They had warned him about it but he was still happy to take it. Once the man got it back home, he said that he constantly heard footsteps through the night. He eventually moved Mm -hmm. the doll into his garage, but the noises and disturbances continued, so he decided to put it up for sale. He was in California, and he refused to sell it to anyone in the same state as him because he wanted to be as far away from the doll as possible. The fact that he didn't even want to be near the doll spiked my interest even more. So I got in touch and asked if Scotland was far enough away. I got in a conversation with him to find out as much as possible and to make sure it was genuine. We agreed on a price and the guy came to Scotland with the doll. Oh no, he said he came over to Scotland. He means he's talking about the doll, not the owner. Uh, Gregor claims Uncle Herb was very quiet when he arrived and there wasn't much... There wasn't as much activity as they were expecting. He started to communicate with the doll through spirit boxes and noticed that his mouth would open and close by itself. Gregor said, when I first saw the doll in real life, I was expecting to feel negative energy from him, but I didn't get that at all. When I noticed that his mouth would open and close sometimes, I was even more interested and curious. Initially, people would get a feeling of discomfort around him, but now people just want to hold him and cuddle him. He is always on display. He doesn't like being kept in a case. He is sat on a shelf. We only ever have him in the case for protection because he is old and delicate. We estimate that he is from the early 1900s. He's such an intriguing doll. I mean, there's a lot to unpack in there. In that. <laughs> yes. I, I want to know if um, Gregor has his penis out when <laughs> Uncle Herb is opening and closing his mouth. <laughs> and he's just made up this, this haunted tale about what was it? He used a fucking... A spirit box. Robbie Williams rude box <laughs> to um to see if uh, Uncle Herb what an absolute load of shit. <laughs> um, yeah. But they're convinced that this doll it, so they put it in a glass case and its mouth drops open and then they take it out. They take it out and the mouth closes. Yeah. But all by itself. But the mechanism doesn't work. So okay. And when they and mm. when they try talking to him through the spirit boxes, his mouth opens and closes. I mean 
the pic, this pic, to come back to the picture of Gregor, the owner of Uncle Herb, I mean, they must have struggled to find a more menacing picture of him. It's like, it's like he's coming up at, he's, he's got red eye because of the camera. He looks like <laughs> angry as fuck if I'm honest, and he's sort of coming up, uh, maybe like a sort of castle um, spiral staircase or something like that, maybe the, maybe it's the Wallace Monument or something, and he, someone's taking a picture of him coming up. I mean, it's bad enough that you're in the paper with hokum, absolute, utter hokum like this, but then they ask you for a picture of yourself. <laughs> it must be one of the worst pictures <laughs> that anyone's ever had in the paper who hasn't been in the paper for committing a crime or something like that. <laughs> So yeah, there's, there's a picture of him in his case. They, the, the the case that they put him in looks like one of those sort of plastic cases, those plastic tubs that you might keep your cereal in to keep it fresh. You know what I mean? <laughs> no wonder he was upset at that bit. He's wanting a nice glass display case. He's like, it, at least put me on a plinth or yeah. stick a rod up my back so I can stand up straight. And they've just stuck him in a cereal box. This <laughs> plastic tub stinks of granola. Yeah. I can see in the picture that there's a, a wee glass case with another little doll's arm. So I think perhaps Gregor is a collector of antique dolls and ventriloquist dummies. And what did you say? He was in his 50s? Yeah, he's in his 50s. He's collecting dolls? Yeah, he's 51. Mind you, I, I'm in my 40s and I collect wrestling figures, <laughs> so I'm hardly <laughs> want to talk. Yeah. That's incredible, but how is this newsworthy? Like, you know... It was a Scottish son. <laughs> how? That's true. Yeah, I shouldn't be surprised. But, uh, wow, what a wonderful tale. Well, I hope it's real, and I hope that something happens maybe around about Halloween and Gregor... Not Gregor. Uncle Herb comes to life and yeah. shows Gregor <laughs> how much he appreciates being in a cereal box. <laughs> Indeed. Lovely. All right. So with that uh, viable courting um, story, what's your um, what's your next story this week? Uh, well, we all get frustrated when we're waiting for a package, don't we, Greg? Yep. And it's you know it's late, and you're like, "Where is it?" And then delivery driver, and you never know what's happening. And sometimes they leave a card saying that they've been. And uh, mind you, I've noticed that especially during the last couple of years now, like our delivery drivers here, they never leave a card or anything; they just leave it at the door, and you just collect it because obviously that was the kind of the precedent during covid they couldn't hand it over to you so they just ring the bell and leave it at the door and it's fine but i can imagine the uk it's it's a struggle so every which i'd imagine is a, a courier company in the uk they have sacked one of their couriers after they allegedly set a glasgow customer's parcel on fire and left it in the middle of the road outside their house <laughs> liz rudden complained to the company uh, after being left shocked by the incident last week so she claims that her husband andy went outside their home after spotting the courier having trouble finding their parcel in the back of the van. Now, I know what's happened here, Liz. You and Andy have been sat waiting for this parcel. You've seen the driver pull up. Andy's gone outside and had a go at the driver. The driver's got annoyed. <laughs> like, just let me fucking find it. And and this is what's happened. Uh, Liz said that the driver then became aggressive when Andy told him the item, a replacement part for their washing machine, was very small. Uh, Andy then came back inside and a few minutes later he'd received a notification to say that the item had been delivered. An image was included with the notification that showed the parcel outside on the ground. But when Andy went out immediately to collect the item, he found it on fire in the middle of the road. <laughs> uh, Andy said no one else was around, so he suspected 
the angry courier had intentionally set their package on fire after becoming annoyed from their earlier interaction. <laughs> uh, Liz complained to the company, who launched an investigation and revealed on Monday that the driver had been removed from his role and would no longer be working for them. They also offered Liz £50 as a gesture of goodwill. Uh, Liz said, The courier sat outside for five minutes looking for the parcel. When my husband went out and said to him, it was a small parcel that he would be looking for, the driver became aggressive i'm not surprised like he's just like just fuck off and let me do my job uh my husband but there's no need to go so extreme as to set fire to uh, my husband came inside then after another few minutes the courier drove away we checked the tracking and it showed that it had been delivered with a picture but it wasn't in our driver garden my husband went outside and about seven meters down the road the parcel was there and it was on fire so, so the driver must have set it on fire as there was no one else in the street and my husband was outside as soon as he saw the photo on the tracking page. This is not what I expect from an courier company. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, I'm a bit nervous about this driver returning to my house as I often get deliveries from this company. Uh, the supplier is sending a replacement through Royal Mail as he was too shocked by this and doesn't want it to happen again. Uh, so after complaining to Evril, uh, Liz received an email from them on Monday apologising for the driver. They said, good morning, Liz. Thank you for allowing the time for us to investigate what happened with the driver. I can confirm he is no longer working for the company. <laughs> We're very sorry uh, for any offence caused and would like to offer you £50 as an apology. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it. And then there's just a statement about every the company. Apparently they came, uh, they're a new courier company. It's a rebrand from Hermes. Right. How, how would you pronounce that? Was it Hermes? Hermes, yeah, the, yeah, the Greek, the old, Greek gods. Yeah, yeah, the courier company, because I think they had quite a bad reputation from all accounts. Yeah. So I think they've rebranded themselves as Every, hoping that they would get a little bit more, you know, better publicity, but now their drivers are setting parcels on fire. Like, I could just imagine, it doesn't say what time of day it was, but I can just imagine this poor driver, because they get paid a pittance. Like, I think they get paid per parcel. I think you're right. And... If they don't deliver a certain amount of parcels, like they're not, and they often they're using their own cars, and it must be a thankless task coming to go. If someone's out, then you've got to leave a card. It's effectively a wasted journey. So when you're looking for a parcel and you've got some, because I can imagine Liz looks, no offense, Liz, but you look like a right old busybody. <laughs> I can only imagine what her husband looks like. He's coming out, probably got his head right in the boot of the guy's car, helping him look. And the poor delivery guy's just like, well, you just fuck off and leave me alone. <laughs> and then when he's found it, he's just done like a kind of office space and just like, oh, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to set fire to this. <laughs> Leave it in the middle of the road. <laughs> it does seem like an extreme reaction to being irritated. Like, I mean, then I, I, I mean, suppose we don't know what's going yeah. on in this driver's life. You know what I mean? He could have that. Could that might have just it might have been in the edge already, and that's just been the straw that's broken the proverbial camel's back. I mean, it could have been worse if it's if it's a washing machine part. It's probably quite hefty. He could have launched it through their front window. <laughs> like, <laughs> but to set fire to it, what a statement! <laughs> 
I can be quite annoyed, I suppose. Yeah, if I was waiting for my shopping to be delivered and I get the, the notification and I go out to the front door and here it is, just a, a smouldering <laughs> mess. Yeah. I mean, but I know, like, because at my mum's house in Aberdeenshire, they've got quite a They've got like a big front garden and they've got, there's gates into the drive mm. that they keep closed. But they're not locked. They just keep them closed. And the delivery guys just, <laughs> just like hurl the, hurl the package over the wall <laughs> into the like garden. Like my mum has gone out before. She's ordered stuff from like the catalogue or whatever. And she just found like the, the fucking Freeman's bag or the next bag, or whatever, just like sort of lying in her flower beds because drivers. <laughs> <laughs> a note from the driver, you know, like a note from the driver in a letterbox saying, you weren't in, so I've put it in the garden. Hurled <laughs> it over the wall, no matter what it is. But I suppose, I mean, the thing is, it's become a, it's become a job for people. It's a bit like, it's a little bit like Uber, I think, you know what I mean? For some the way that they kind of model for some of these delivery guys. I know like for Amazon, you can be like, like I'm available to deliver packages on Monday morning or Tuesday mornings or whatever. Or you can just dip in and ready packages that come and pick up and deliver them or whatever. And uh, so you've got people that are probably scrambling a little bit to pay the bills and things and um, probably living on their nerves to some extent. The last thing they need is some some old fucker sticking his head in the back of their van. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Um, I think, I, I think I, I'm sort of with the driver just because of, just because it's, it's a strong move. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he must have just thought to himself, fuck this job. Because he would have known the, the 99% chance he was going to get found out. He's like, well, fuck it. I, yeah. I might as well go out in a literal blaze of glory <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so good no i'm with you as well <laughs> i uh i take my hat off to him it's quite a an impressive statement to make and yeah if you're gonna hand in your resignation what a way to go yeah. just setting fire to yeah. a part of a washing machine in the middle of the road well it would only have made it better if the picture that he'd taken of the parcel to send to the customer had been the act the picture on fire <laughs> the parcel on fire <laughs> The parcel's been delivered. <laughs> I mean, but then you've got to think that is that then he's really incriminating himself because he could have gotten away with maybe saying, no, I left it fine. I took the photo. Yeah, yeah. Someone else must have set it on fire. Yeah, you know, we've it, it's their word against his, really. Yeah. Maybe he's just caught for it and being like, yeah, I was leaving anyway. It was me that set it on fire. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Ah, exactly. Oh, well. So, yes. Uh, so, yeah. I hope the, they get their part from the washing machine from the Royal Mail and they don't piss off the postman <laughs> yeah. um, in the, the process because then who knows what will happen to the next one. Anyway, so uh, anything else, Greg, that you've uh, nope you've seen in the news? Like I, said, well, I, I did have a story, but obviously in our pre in our, in our pre-production meeting, I think we made the right decision to leave it out. So. Right, well, I guess that rounds up the news. Uh, before we go on to what we're going to be talking about today, let's have a little word from our sponsors. There are two kinds of grouse in the highlands. Grouse, so you bird it just pops out of the hair. And it's flying that fast and it's low. But there is another way to get it, and that's out of a bottle. And it's the best stuff you can drink. I never go through a drama of this whiskey. I usually cut it in my pocket here. Famous grouse. So good it makes a Scotsman want to dance. Ah, the Highland Fling. Once you do a few drums of grouse, you just go... It's the most popular scotch in Scotland. Just like that. Uh, okay, Nicky, it was your choice uh, this week, so why don't you introduce 
your film. Oh, thanks, Greg. Well, yes, uh, as mentioned on the last episode, I felt that this year we had been quite masculine on the Swally. So I'd like to talk about a very recent film that we're going to discuss today, and the film is called Our Ladies. Uh, Initially scheduled to be released in 2019, but it didn't make it into cinemas until 2021, for obvious reasons. Uh, Directed by Michael Caton-Jones, and based on the 1998 novel The Sopranos by Alan Warner. It follows a group of Catholic schoolgirls from the Scottish Highland town of Fort William, who get an opportunity to go to Edinburgh for a choir competition. But the girls are more interested in drinking, partying, and shagging than winning the competition. Uh, Starring a very young cast of relative newcomers as the main females, uh, including Tallulah Grieve as Orla, Abigail Laurie as Fanula, Rona Morrison as Shell, Sally Messam as Manda, and Marley Sue as Kyla, and of course, culture swally stalwarts Kate Dickey and Brian McCarty. It's described as a Scottish coming-of-age comedy drama, and the film received a lot of critical acclaim. Uh, But Greg, I hadn't really heard of this until a few weeks ago when it popped up on a few occasions that it just seemed I couldn't avoid it. And when I brought it up last week, you said you hadn't heard of it either. That's right. I hadn't. I I hadn't heard of it until you told me about it. (laughs) Told me that we're going to review it for this episode. It was strange. I think it was maybe like the Rob Roy episode that I was looking at Brian McCarty and Kate and Jones and I saw Our Ladies. And then about a week later, I was reading a, it was an Aberdeen forum actually, and there was a film thread and someone said they'd just watched Our Ladies. And literally, as I was editing the last episode, well, it must have been the Rob Roy episode, my wife was sitting in front of Netflix and up popped Our Ladies. And she said, oh, do you want to watch this? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to pick for the next episode. So yeah, it just seemed to follow me around for a few weeks. But yeah, so you hadn't heard of it either. No. Um, So did you enjoy it? I've watched this twice in the last week for the Swally. So I watched it on Tuesday to make notes and I watched it again on Thursday and I absolutely loved this film. First time I watched that, I really enjoyed it making notes. The second time I watched it without making notes and just, and I just, yeah, I absolutely loved it. What about yourself? Uh, I enjoyed it. I did it. There's no caveat here. I did enjoy it. It kind of, the film that it made me think about a lot as I was watching it was American Pie because yeah. the, quite a lot of commonalities. Um, you know, this like, this sort of quest to have sex and get laid and all this. I mean, it's it's not as maybe earnest as American Pie, which isn't, which is in the film's favour, I think. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I was I was pleasantly surprised actually. Um, I thought I thought the the kind of the sort of five lead girls were all really good. Um, mm. It was a good film. I mean, the thing is, nineteen ninety six was was my last year at school as well. So mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't go to like an all girls Catholic school. Unfortunately, oh, really? unfortunately, judging by the you know the the good time these girls are having, <laughs> I would admit the the first viewing when I watched maybe the first five or so minutes. I did think, ah, I don't know if I'm really going to enjoy this. Maybe I've made a mistake picking this. And as the film went on, I just enjoyed it more and more. Yes, it starts out, I mean, let's be honest, this film is utter filth. Yeah. 
in terms of some of the language and <laughs> things used. But it's it's done in quite a clever way. Like the girls aren't sexualized, mm. if that makes sense. Like and and it's very much they are empowered. Like the the guys in this film are all made to look like kind of idiots. Yeah, right? yeah. And as you say, it reminded me of like American Pie or or Superbad mm-hmm. or or maybe like the in betweeners yeah, yeah, in a way as yeah. well. But with this just female empowerment and like I say, on the on the surface, this film is about a group of sexually frustrated and bored Catholic schoolgirls just trying to get drunk and laid. But in my opinion, this film has such a heart at its core. And as the film goes on, it just shines through more and more. And I just can't help but like the film. And I can't help but like all the girls. Mm. They're all so good in their own individual way. And they're all such well-rounded characters. There's not like a one that is left out as such. Oh, and I should point out, by the way, because this film is quite recent, there will be spoilers yeah. that we're discussing here. I should maybe have pointed that out at the very beginning of the review. So if you haven't seen this film and you don't want it spoiled, then stop listening now. So uh, Michael Caton Jones, who obviously we had on, uh, well, we didn't have on the podcast, unfortunately, but we reviewed Rob Roy a couple of episodes ago. He bought the rights to this in 1998 from uh, Alan Warner to, to make the film. And it took so long for this film to get actually made because he shopped it around quite a lot of studios but they all wanted to make it into an american film right and he was so adamant that he stood his ground saying it's a scottish story and it has to stay in scotland and you're right i think i can't imagine this working kind of anywhere else really it could be just because we've seen it and we can we're so familiar with some of the content but i really agree with him that it couldn't have been made anywhere else so he stood his ground no one was interested and then it was made into a stage play which got quite a lot of critical acclaim and then that led to sony pictures asking if they could make it into a film and that's exactly what they did yeah and the thing is i think you know like i was what i was when i was doing my, my research and there was some interviews with the with the actresses on the on the red carpet for the film's premiere in glasgow and we <clears> were talking about how kate and jones kind of put them together for a, a couple of weeks before they started filming because they, they didn't they hadn't met each other <clears> before and you know yeah. the the film the, the, I think the strength of the, the the film's main strength, because the story is, you know, I, we've seen the story, I think, before. And, you know, they, there was some there was some things in the story that, yeah, well, I certainly saw coming. Um, but the power of the film is the relationship between the girls and that friendship, you know, which which I guess is really what the, the film's really about, those types of friendships that we have when we're 16, 17, about to leave mm. school and go on to whether it's university or something else. And, you know, like, certainly the people that I was friends with at school, some of us went to uni, some of us went to college, some of us went straight to work some was making apprentices and things and you know everybody sort of drifts away from each other um yeah and you know they all the actresses really they, they, they really sell the film because it could have been just another sort of coming of age kind of story but to your point the, the fact that they fought to keep it in Scotland and and it's not like in some made up sort of Scottish town you know it's Fort William yes they go to Edinburgh yeah you know um yeah no, it's very distinctive, as you say, that they're from a small town of Fort William and it's all this big thing about going to Edinburgh. And I completely agree that it is the females mm. that sell this film for me. Yeah. And genuinely, all five of them deliver, I, I mean, not six in a way because the character of Kay is kind of on the periphery and she does play a big part in the film. Yeah. But really, it's the core five and individually, they are all 
great. But when they're a group, you as you say, Kate and Jones made sure that the girls hung out a couple of weeks before filming. And you do believe the relationship between them. Even little parts, like uh, towards the end when they're walking down the road. And it's it's in silence. Well, there's music playing overhead, but they're not speaking. Mm. But you, you believe the kind of relationship and you can believe that the banter that they're having between each other yeah. at that moment. And I think it's a, a testament to, to the girls, to the director, and to the film itself of, of how believable they are in that uh, in that moment. Yeah, definitely. The scenes where they're getting ready in Edinburgh when they've um, you know when they've they've kind of done their warm up and they're let loose in the city centre for a few hours and they're getting changed yeah. in, the, in the in the public toilets. Yes. I mean that that yeah. has one of the strongest scenes because you can tell that the actresses are just having a laugh when mm. they're doing it. You know. Yeah. And uh, I was watching an interview with um, Marley Sue, who plays Kyra, and she said mm. she said that he had, they had said that just kind of go for it, and they kind of went for it a bit too much. So it was just like a, a mess and clothes getting flung everywhere, and they had to reset a couple <laughs> of times and sort of find the right pace for the scene. But I, I wanted to talk about her because for me, the two—I mean, they're all good, as I said—but the two for for me who really stood out is her, uh, Marley Sue who plays Kyra, mm-hmm. and uh, Rona Morrison, who plays Shell. Mm. And you kind of yeah. get the feeling, you know, I'm sure that all these all these uh, girls will do well. I, you know, they, they've, they've got, to some extent or another, they've, they, they've done some, some, some quite uh, high-profile stuff before this. But I feel like those two, particularly because Marley Sue seems to be able to sing as well, but there's you know, something about Rona Morrison, the, who plays the girl who plays Shell, she's don't know. I think you know the the the, the scene where she's been introduced. It was the Tado the Grieve who plays Orla. Does she does the voice? She can sort of narrates parts of the film, mm. and the the, girl, the yeah. girls are all kind of introduced with a little montage each. And that the the scene with her, which is on the beach and everything, and she's not saying anything. She's just sort of kind of wandering around in the beach and picking up sheep and <laughs> stuff like that, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I got, you know, I mean, she's just she's got a real presence, I think, is what I'm trying to say, you know? It's so funny that you say that, Greg, because I was trying to think in terms of the five girls, uh, who delivers the best performance? And and it, to be honest, I can't take anything away from any of them. Yeah. Whereas I thought that Marley Sue and Rona Morrison's characters, they almost have the kind of least story if that makes sense, mm. because it, it's kind of Orla's film in a way, because as you say, she does the narration. She has the, the kind of, she's the first character you see and the, the last character, essentially. Yeah. I think Shell, uh, sorry, uh, Manda's character, obviously she's the loudmouth kind of gobby one and, and is very much, has a, a big part of the film. And of course, Finn, uh, well, Finola, she has her own kind of side story and has a big part of, of the film. Whereas you would say Kyla and Shell, you know, the two of them are together mm. and they maybe don't have the strongest storyline. However, they have some of the best scenes of the film yeah, yeah. in terms of when they're interacting with Brian McCarty <laughs> in the police station. It is just hilarious. Yeah. And of course, when when they're phoning Dickie Dickinson to break up in the band, and it's it, the two of them together are absolutely fantastic and dynamic. And of course, they're the two that are left effectively on the sofa towards the yeah. end with the <laughs> with the fireworks. And yeah, the, the two of them are brilliant. I I really enjoyed seeing them on screen because you just never knew what was gonna mm-hmm. uh, what was gonna happen next for those two. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the kind of weaker parts of the film, I thought, so, uh, Sally Messam, who plays Amanda, who is English, uh, yeah, doing a good Scottish accent, I think, in fairness. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So they, there's the, the, that sort of subplot that you mentioned before about her and Finola are supposed to have been friends for since we're little girls and they're kind of drifting apart and everything. I don't really feel that, that was, it was a particularly strong part of the story. You know what I mean? Like, the... Oh really? Yeah. Well, that whole kind of friendship thing. I didn't. I don't know that if she sold it um, as well as she might have done, and it was a sort of unlikely kind of because I think maybe because they never showed you. Like, obviously, they they, mm. they show you younger versions of the, those characters when they're little girls being best pals, but you never see that between Abigail Laurie and Sally Messam as Finola and, and Amanda. So you know, I think if you had seen them as really good friends, even in a flashback or something, might they, this yeah. kind of deterioration of their friendship might have might have sort of flown better. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite liked that. I thought it was quite strong. I, I agree. Had you seen them maybe even six months previously, mm-hmm. still being good friends. But I, I think it's the, you get the the whole backstory in terms of that they were good friends. And you can see that there's a wedge driven almost between them. And obviously it's because Finula is coming to terms with her sexuality. Yeah. And I, I think it it's summed up beautifully when they're in the man trap and Finula and Kay dance. And then kiss, mm-hmm. and you see the other three girls, Orla and um, Shell and Kyla, all looking round and smiling yeah. as if to be like, "Yeah, we fucking knew it." It's yeah, like, yeah. You know, thank God this has happened. And then you see uh, Manda, like horrified. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the one that didn't know, and that's what's driven a wedge between their friendship because she didn't know how to to come out to yeah. her friend effectively. Yeah. And that's what makes it, I think, beautiful at the end when she kind of accepts her and makes a joke about it. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it, it does all kind of work out. But um, we'll come back to to that scene in the man trap later on. <laughs> um, I thought it was great in terms of this was, you know, 1996. And as, as Orla says at the beginning, this is before social media and mobile phones. And you forget that. And that's, of course, why they can't get a hold of each other yeah. when they're certain places and oh, it was just such fucking simpler times yeah. you know and it was just so good putting half a bottle of vody into a bottle of coke and going <laughs> yeah. on a school bus trip <laughs> no having to worry sitting at the back of the bus they were the best times though i mean i know i was talking to somebody about this recently you know they make an arrangement with somebody like on a friday right so i'll meet you tomorrow in town at 11 o'clock uh, outside fucking St. Nicholas, Marks and Spencer, St. Nicholas Square. Yeah, no problem. And that would be the last time you would talk to the person until you met them the next day. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, yeah. you know, so if I said to you, right, I'll meet you at 11 o'clock, blah, 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 I would probably message you first thing in the morning. Oh, morning, are we still on for 11 o'clock? Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like, you know, you just have to have, you have to press the plan to death yeah. uh, to make sure it happens. You know, whereas, you know, not even that, but then you still message like, I'm five minutes away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll be there. Like, see, even, even if it's five to 12, you'd still message, I'm five minutes away. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. Just leaving now, you know, just... Yeah, uh, exactly, yeah. But I think we'll just become, have develop this need for reassurance, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> mm. if, 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 if a WhatsApp group hasn't been created around this event, then it just 
there's no way it can come off properly. <laughs> you know, that's a very valid point. Yeah, there would be a whole WhatsApp group of Orla sharing pictures of thigh high boots that she'd seen online yeah. that she wanted to buy and where she was going to get them. Uh, Dickie would be sending uh, Kyla pictures of all the CDs that he wanted to get. Well, they wouldn't be CDs now, of course, would it? MP3s. Yeah. I guess that leads me to just approach the kind of point of as it opens, you have Kyla and and the band which we later find out are going to be called Thunderpuck yep. uh, singing uh, Ever Fallen in Love by the Buzzcocks and beautiful opening like hey hell of a singer yeah. in terms of great performance as well now I didn't know 16 year old Greg but I've seen photos <laughs> and I think you'd a dead ringer for a young <laughs> Dickie Dickinson oh. in terms of the way the hair just falls down I've seen photos of you of that time yeah. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, that's Greg. I mean, I, I wasn't, I certainly wasn't the shagger that Dickie Dickinson appears to have been <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I was that age. But I mean, I would have certainly saw myself like that. Um, I'm not sure that the that the proof would be in the pudding as much. Do you know what I mean? But uh, Dickie Dickinson played by Alex Hope, um, who despite being quite young, has already got a Quite a good IMDb under his belt, parts in Outlanders and yeah. and whatnot. Uh, does not sure he looks a great deal like me in his IMDb picture, but uh, I think it was the hair, definitely, yeah. definitely the hair. Uh, as you say, mostly a, a Scottish cast. I mean, Abigail Laurie, who plays Vanula, she's from Aberdeen originally. I think you only have Sally Messam, obviously, as you mentioned, who's English. Uh, Eve Austin, who plays Kay, is English. And Tallulah Grieve, who plays Orla, she is Australian. But she speaks with quite a Scottish accent when you see her on red carpet. I think she, she was moved here. Yeah, I was reading her Wikipedia. She she was she moved to Edinburgh when she was really young, like two or three. Mm. So I think I think her parents are Australian, but she's been she's been brought up in Scotland. Um, I, but I was I was surprised to see that uh, I can't, that uh, Sally Messam and uh, Eve Austin, who plays Kay, were 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 both English. I think Kay in particular does a very well, sorry Eve Austin rather does a very good uh, a very good Scottish accent. Perfectly believable as a upper class mm -hmm. daughter of a doctor. Yeah. Um, so you would expect her to speak in that way. Yeah. I genuinely was surprised when I, I read that she wasn't Scottish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like the whole sort of Catholic girl, not, well, maybe not the whole Catholic girl thing, but the, the whole kind of Catholicism piece. Like it, most of the way through the film, it's not really rammed down your throat, you know. And, but I did feel a little bit you know, when when Kay tells uh, Fanula in the bar that she's pregnant, and she's talking about you know how her parents are such Catholics, and she should she would have to keep it and everything. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if that that so I felt a little bit heavy handed. I thought that I don't know. Um, possibly I don't know. It didn't strike me as because I guess if her parents are devout Catholics and they've sent her to Catholic school. Mm. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. A little bit too much. <clears throat> but uh, in the reviews that I've read of this film, like, the sort of sexuality piece, uh, not sexuality, but like this sort of, uh, where, they, where the girls are wanting to get laid in Edinburgh, you know, there's the, there's the scene when they're on the bus on the way there and they've got... Um, We've got the signs saying snog us, shag us, and all that, and they put them against the window. You know, they, I think, although the film has been, the film does seem to have been 
well received pretty much like that whole element of it um seems to have put some of the reviewers off a little bit and i don't know if that's perhaps just it's i guess like by today's standards it's maybe a little bit politically incorrect to or maybe not politically incorrect but it's maybe i don't know i think people are a bit sensitive to that sort of thing now whereas you know if you think about the early 2000s and the late 90s when we had films like American Pie I've mentioned already there's something about Mary and stuff like that mm. and they, they always went down really well whereas now I don't know it, the sort of with the way that these things are perceived um, in the mainstream and on social media, uh, you know, I guess it was it was kind of refreshing for them just to see them go for it when you consider that. Well, you know? I th- see, that did cross my mind when I started watching it because I I kind of had that opinion thinking, oh, I don't know if this is a bit much mm. for nowadays, maybe, and it put me in mind, as I say, of straight away of the in betweeners, and I don't think you could get away with making something like the in-betweeners nowadays even though it's only what 12 years ago the the series probably started i, I don't know the film the, the, the what, first film 10 years ago j- j- over 10 years ago i think it came out in 2011 uh the first, the first okay. movie so probably couldn't get away with a lot of the stuff like that nowadays However, I thought the way that they'd you know, effectively flipped it, so it's the women that are in charge, yeah. it's the girls that are that are doing that, and I think that makes it okay. And I think I did laugh a little bit in terms of the you know snog me, shag me, because we've all been there in terms of being on the back of a bus and a, <laughs> you know a car comes up and you're giving the thumbs up and then you give the finger and then. I, <laughs> I I do remember being on a bus actually and someone, a female, getting her, pulling her top up and showing her bra, like happens in this. And of course, when they are doing the the signs, but yeah, when they put the the sign next to Sister Condom that says she loves the bondage, (laughs) made me laugh quite a lot. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the, the, the whole conversation about the bondage on the bus just before that was was funny it was really funny when amanda you know amanda's getting snippy because they're taking the piss out of her for saying the bondage <laughs> i want to get shagged tied to a tree a tree i want to feel abandoned <laughs> what like michelle oh no that kind of abandoned so it's like the bondage then the bondage great use of the definite article there girl all right Fanula. not everybody got an a for english Obviously not. I know what the bondage is. My big sister Katrina showed me it in a nudie mag once. The bondage. The James bondage. Fuck off, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I mean, that sort of brings me on to Kate Dickey. That's quite, I mean, a, a good character. She's, you know, she's not in, she's mm. not in it all that much but just no it's clearly enjoying herself but the scene when they're in the the hall uh in edinburgh mm-hmm. and the girls are looking out the window and they see like the, the couple shagging behind the building uh, <laughs> and uh, she shows them away and then she's looking out she's got a big smile on her face and she's sort of laughing and things yeah you know so i thought you know it's kind of it was. She could. I suppose she could have just played the part as the sort of straight down the line, devout mm. nun, and everything. So you know, like it kind of brought a bit of uh, color to the character with that little that little nuance there. You see that she kind of loses it a little bit, you know, especially when the girls turn up late, and obviously 
Kay's pissed and yeah. she says, Kayla, take your clothes off. You're the strongest singer and kind of loses it. Yeah. Obviously, we love Kate Dickey on this podcast. I think she's brilliant and she plays it well. However, her character here reminded me of Miss Isabel Gourley, the teacher that Karen Dunbar plays in Chew oh, the Fat. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah she'd... It was a little bit like that. It could have been the glasses, could have been the just the, oh, oh, now here, now. Yeah. It, it just, it, it reminded me of that a little bit. She's obviously very proud of the girls and she's proud that the, I like the, what was it? The, the, I can't remember, was it the Argus Advertiser or the Fort William Gazette that had come to cover the, the story of the girls going away to their, their trip in Edinburgh. Yeah. And, you know, this is her moment and she's obviously crushingly disappointed when they end up coming last because yeah. the girls have gone out and got pissed. Yeah, and I didn't think that coming on to the, the musical performances, I thought they were still pretty good considering that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, there was tons of them it'd be interesting to see what all the other girls were doing in edinburgh mm. uh, when you know when the when the events of the movie were going on but when she when she gets them to do a bit of a warm-up in the playground in the morning and she's got them singing this the song about it's about barbados and she's like you know mm. think of the humidity and the heat think of the workers with their top with their tops off <laughs> <laughs> or, or shirtless workers. That's kind of quite. I don't know, it was quite. It was quite good. But yeah, the the music performances are are good in it. I, I, I liked it in the oh, I liked in the karaoke bar when they did the the version of Tainted Love, like the, uh, the original version of uh, Tainted Love. Oh, the the performance, like I said, with you know at the start when they're singing um, "Fallen in Love with" like, mm. that that was incredible. Tainted Love in the bar, fantastic. I'm sorry for me, Stephen. Charles and I was Eddie, say. would I lie to you? <laughs> he is incredible. Like, what a performance. <laughs> he steals that for me. He's so good, if that is him singing. But what a song and what a actual performance. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we should probably talk about some of the guys, the, the male characters in the film. Because like you said mm. right at the beginning of the review, like, the guys are all portrayed to be, like, you know, like behind the girls uh, in every way. Especially the two guys that they meet. So a Rangers, the Rangers fan who's got a Rangers jersey under his, his sort of sports coat and the recently divorced, I forgot the guy's names, the, the characters' names. Uh, it's Terry and Bobby right. that they meet, and uh, did did Danny, yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Who I mean, we'll come on to Danny as well later. I mean, he's just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> uh, but did you not think that Terry and and Bobby reminded you of like Flip and Higgy? From, yeah, like this is England ninety, like yeah, kind of do a bit, yeah, comical characters, but a little bit. Um, <laughs> Terry's just fucking hilarious. It's the having that pastel coloured suit and a Rangers top on in Edinburgh <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah. And he's brilliant. And as I say, Bobby, the, the comic relief in terms of his uh, his wedding video, and he's just obviously so upset and not over his marriage. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought they, they provide a little bit of comic relief, but not too over the top. Yeah, because it's, you know, there's. I was wondering which way the story was going to go because they 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 seem a lot older than they, the mm. char- their characters that is seem a lot older than the than the girls and I was wondering if it was going to take a bit of a dark turn you know what I mean yeah yeah when they invite them back to the flat and they're going to go 
But then I actually wrote down in my notes at that point, you know it's not going to get predatory. You know those three girls are going to get, if they even tried anything, you know that those three girls are going to get the one up on Mm -hmm. them. And as it turns out, you know, they don't even need to because, (laughs) well, as it turns out, it's fucking um, Danny that gets the one up on all of them. But, you know, the guys fuck it up for themselves. And, you know, the girls are always in control. You'd no need to worry. You know, it's not going to go in a predatory manner. So I guess one of the uh, one of the unanswered questions is what was Danny going to do with those school uniforms? Well, as you see him running away, he's sniffing the knickers. Oh, that's right. So he said. <laughs> so I could only imagine. Well, they met him in the sauna. That's right. So yeah. you could only imagine what he's off to do with their with his knickers and whatever else that they've managed to purchase. Because we don't know what they bought. Because uh, obviously they went off to go and spend Dickie's money That's right. uh, that he wanted them to get CDs for on shopping. <laughs> so we have no idea what they actually went and bought. But yeah, he's got those three school uniforms. He'll end up selling them or using them for something. Hello, again. We'd like to report a theft. Of course, ladies. Now, were you the victims of a theft? Or is it something you've stolen? I thought you said he'd help. A man stole our school uniforms. Who was the man? Danny. And where did you meet Danny? The Castle View sauna. Shell, that place is only for men. No way. I saw a few lassies in there. It's a brothel, you silly cows. <laughs> a nice little comeuppance in terms of he's quite a, a bullied and put upon character but then Shell seems to like him yeah. she's looking after him when she goes and has a piss in the sink she says you know shut the door I don't want Danny to see yeah, yeah. but he's too busy nipping off with our clothes <laughs> yeah, and main sweeping their drinks <laughs> um, and of course so we have Terry who obviously has you know, wants to sleep with the girls and that's why he's as we see him again, he's naked doing a handstand with octopus ink on his oxters because it's uh, easier to get hold of uh, from uh, than Viagra. I'd imagine it would be Terry because Viagra didn't come out until 1998, <laughs> so that'd be why. <laughs> but, yeah, one of the I've got I've got a couple of flaws in terms of the timescale mm-hmm. of uh, of this film, but that's just one of them. Yeah, I think some of the songs are they're a bit they're a bit early with um, some of their songs, right? I think like, the Chumba. Yeah. The Chumbawamba song didn't come out until yeah a couple of years later, um, and the Savage Garden one, right? Which is it? Yeah, truly madly deeply. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah. And when Shell and Kyla are in HMV on the back wall, you can see Adele and Amy Winehouse oh, right. uh, vinyl. <laughs> so um, slight little mistake there but that was the first thing I was drawn to I was like ah damn it but it doesn't take you out of it too much it's it's one of those things that would probably annoy me in some other kind of film but you're like okay I can let them off with it yeah. we're an HMV it's fine I mean vinyl itself wasn't really big in 96 anyway no. they wouldn't have a whole wall dedicated to vinyl but yet they have the big letters but yeah you can see the uh, Winehouse and Adele there uh, and yeah as you say Chumbawamba and Savage Garden they didn't come out until 1997 but I'll let that slide um, on timing so Michael uh, Michael Kat because uh, Kate and Jones who directed the movie um, mm. so for, I had it in my head that he was quite an old guy right um, and he's he's mm. not actually that old. He's in reason. Well, I'll tell you mm. why I thought that. It's because he directed Scandal mm. with uh, Joanne Wally. He directed um, Memphis Belle, uh, and they're both mm-hmm. 
a scandal's 89, Memphis Bell's 90. So I, you know, I, he's now, you know, he's still directing now. So I just assumed that he was quite old, but he's actually not. He was born in 1957. And if you look at his his filmography as a director, it's kind of weird. So he obviously so kind of blows up with Scandal. It's a very successful film. I, th- mm-hmm. I think Memphis Bell did quite well. Then then he then does Doc yeah. does Doc Hollywood with Michael J. Fox, which I don't think was a particularly mm-hmm. big success. He did This Boy's Life with a young Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, which is actually a really good film, This Boy's Life. I really liked it. Um, then uh, Rob Roy, as we reviewed the episode before last. The Jackal, um, the Day of the Jackal sort of remake. City by the Sea, Shooting Dogs. Then he chooses to do Basic Instinct 2, which mm. I've never seen, but I know that no. it's uh, it's been largely described as being a fucking pile of wank and not in the not in the way that you might expect basic instinct to be a pile of wank, if you know what I mean. Like the first one was a pile of wank, but for different reasons. <laughs> but when I was watching him being interviewed in one of the videos about the premiere of Our Ladies, he was saying how he had been doing Hollywood films for quite a number of years. He, and his accent, his Scottish accent's very broad. And yeah. he said, you know, I just wanted to do something here, you know, and he said it was refreshing to do something where I could just talk in my own accent and, you know, we could, everybody could understand each other. So... It'd be interesting to see what he does next, because uh, Our Ladies, hmm. is, is, it's the last movie he's, he's got as director. I don't, I don't know if he's working on anything. I couldn't really find much, uh, any information. Yeah, it would be interesting, actually, because he does have a good track record. And as you say, he's he fought very much to make sure that this film stayed in Scotland. So, yeah. and so he did Rob Roy, and it, it would be nice to see him do something else Scottish as well. Yeah. So fingers crossed, maybe. And you, I mean, yeah, you can tell that he loves shooting Scotland. The mm. shots in the beginning of um, Our Ladies, with the camera kind of mm. panning across the Highlands, um, and then at the, at the same at the end. I mean, mm-hmm. that that shot could have this. The shots almost identical to that in Rob Roy. If, in fact, yeah. If 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 you told me that he'd used the same shot again, I wouldn't be surprised. You wouldn't be surprised you know what yeah. I mean, at all. I d- even the, um, I mean, the shots around Edinburgh, he makes the city look, I mean, Edinburgh is a beautiful city, yeah. but he does make it look lovely. And the shot that stays out for me is that when you see the bus going over the fourth road bridge and you see the fourth rail bridge in the yeah. background, it's just a, it makes it look so beautiful. Very impressive. It's, it's such a photogenic city, Edinburgh. Though. It really is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It looks great on a, it looks great on a big screen, you know. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, he does capture the, the kind of best parts of it. Although, you know, we saw that Dexter Fletcher did that so well also in um, Sunshine on Leaf, yeah. which we reviewed a few episodes ago, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, quite a few episodes ago now, I think. It's almost a year ago. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, did you not think it was so nice to see... Uh, and let's be honest, this is a, a Scottish working class film that isn't depressing or violent. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah, no no drugs apart from a little bit of hash. I mean, and even like, even with the girls drinking, like only one character gets smashed. Well, well I suppose mm. um, Amanda gets 
smashed towards the end of the film, didn't she? But yeah, but you know, I mean, they they the rest of the girls, you know, they they're having a few drinks, but they're keeping it together and still having a laugh and. Yeah, because there's no violence, and and to say it's not okay. It, you could say it is depressing in a way it, when you come to the end, mm-hmm. because the ending is is. I'm not going to lie, Greg. I had a little bit of a tear to my eye. Yeah. Um. Kind of knew it was coming, but still. But it's not a depressing film. It's still a feel good film, and you just kind of feel happy for the girls that they had the whole thing, and then it, it gives you that depressing part at the end but then it lifts you straight back up again in the end credits yeah with the big country song you see all the girls dancing singing along and then we have a little guest appearance yeah (laughs) from the hoff (laughs) because as we know greg you don't shag the hoff (laughs) no (laughs) well you do but in slow motion you you, you pump them in slow motion pick a number five to eight Mm, lucky number seven Sorry, or no Leonardo. Aye, not the Hoff either. Uh, get it right. You don't shag the Hoff. You pump him in slow motion while you're running down the beach. I mean, I suppose I did, I, much like the, the Fanula sexuality part. I, I sort of saw the I sort of saw it coming with um, Orla and her leukemia. You know, like I wasn't surprised when she tells Fanula near the end of the film that her that it, her illness has come back and she doesn't want to do the yeah she doesn't want to do the uh, chemotherapy or anything. But yeah, I thought you know they because the thing is the only one that the only one of them that it really works out for is Fanula when they say she's mm. writing her book and stuff. You know, you've got Amanda who's pregnant in her new house by uh, Dickie Dickinson waiting for her Sky TV to be installed. Then Kyra, who's still who she's just been fired from Woolworths for shoplifting, and um, Shell, who's giving sheepdog demonstrations now and again or something like yeah, that. Yeah, part time. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like you know, I mean, it would be nice for the, and, and obviously Orla uh, passes away after meeting the Hoff. It was just a bit of a. I thought I'd like to have seen it kind of work out in some shape or form for all of them to some just you know they didn't all have to be massively successful, but they could have. Be nice mm. to have seen, and I, and I sort of, I guess I know what they were going for, you know, the a sort of element of realism and blah blah blah, and maybe sh- again showing that thing that these sort of close friendships that you make at school were sort of destined to fizzle out because it's unlikely that everybody's going to do exactly the same thing when they finish school, you know. Yeah, that's very true because I guess they out of the five, I mean, obviously Kay goes off to Edinburgh to study law after backpacking in Patagonia and getting her abortion but yeah of the five i guess shell and um kyla and um and manda are still in fort william i guess in terms of that it's just as you say finn goes off to amsterdam and she's writing a book Mm -hmm. and yeah orla obviously meets her demise yeah um I, i know we kind of say touched upon it earlier but i thought the the way they handled the finn and Kate, you know finn's coming out kind of thing it was just i thought it was very beautifully done i was very happy with the yeah the way they did it it was really nice. Yeah, yeah, you know, and again, they they didn't really over, they didn't really sexualize the actresses too much. It was all it was quite no, it was quite discreet. It wasn't 
none of your Rob Roy sow's purse or a silk purse mm. sow's ear and all this kind of thing you know and shiny fingers and things it was you know I think they, they treated the girls with a bit of respect and things and yeah um, yeah completely yeah yeah, it was good. It was. It, I thought it, it it was good. And and even the even the sex scene between Amanda and the bouncer. You know what I mean? It's not. It's it wasn't particularly graphic as such. You know. No. So. No, not at all. So. Um. Okay. Anything? Uh, anything else on our ladies? Do you wish we? Um. I don't think so. Um. I'd say the no. I think that we've kind of covered just about everything. I mean, the, the one person we haven't spoken about, and well, actually, two things I would I would say. Brian McCarty we didn't speak about too much. Yeah. I mean, he's only in two scenes, but he kind of steals a lot of it for me. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Reminds me very much of Bill Bailey in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah character as the the desk sergeant but it's just the way he just delivers the deadpan delivery i thought he was very good uh and genuinely i think it's a testament to it's i mean it's mainly shell that interacts with him but the the two of them just seem to bounce off each other and i thought he was brilliant the only other thing i would say is and i saw this on imdb i saw it on wikipedia i've watched this twice and i have second time i looked at it so carefully david Heyman is meant to be in this film did you spot him i didn't spot him um it, it, it does say uncredited as well right so in the credits it does say a special thanks like the it does say david Heyman in the thanks right he must be in maybe the pillbox or somewhere yeah. i don't know i looked everywhere and i couldn't find him so i'd imagine he just has like a kind of very brief cameo or something I guess he's got. I guess he's got a relationship with uh, with um, uh, mm. Kate Jones from being in Rob Roy. You know, so I suppose uh, Eric Stoltz didn't pop up somewhere in the pillbox. You know? Just sat in the corner eating shit, <laughs> yeah. working on his Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we do the awards then, I mean, because it's, it's technically not part of the awards. Well, it is the Bobby the Barman Award, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I do you want to do that first? Sure. To the award? I, I, it's, the, it's the top of my list. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, because there are five drinking establishments are counted in here mm-hmm. so there is the Jingle and Geordie which is the first pub they go to when they're drinking the Flaming Sambucas yep. there is the Kenilworth which is the lesbian bar yep. that Finn and Kay go into and it, it genuinely is a lesbian bar like I can say that because obviously you see Finn with a bit of paper she's going there with a purpose yeah. and it's, it is full um, it's the pub that I couldn't get the name of that the where they go in with the ice lollies um, oh, Shell yeah, and yeah, Kayla yeah. and they ask the barman to stick it in a blender there's obviously the Pillbox, which is the karaoke in Northern Soul Bar, and then there's the Man Trap as well, which is a great name for a night. Um, for me, so I like the kennel. I like the the look of the Kenilworth, that old sort of Victorian mm. style bar. But I think for me, I would be that. I would be the most comfortable in a Jingle and Geordie. Yeah. What did you go for? I would agree with you on that. I would say I like. Yeah, the Kenilworth looked like a nice pub. Yep be nice to go in just sit and maybe have a pint and a read of the paper yeah jingle and geordie i think you would probably get a bit of banter with some of the locals if you were in there as well but after i'd had a few probably go to the pillbox and yeah. just laugh at <laughs> some of the singing go, go go to the pillbox and do your nwa colorblind jenny from the block remix on the stage exactly after uh, rick waller because he was first up singing in this, uh, <laughs> that's right. So it was. It wasn't actually Rick oh, Waller. Was it not? <laughs> um, oh. No, 
I mean, <laughs> it could. Uh, yeah, that would have been serendipity. A serendipity it would have been too far. Um, Same kind of build, I think. But no, yeah. not, that wasn't Rick Waller. But uh, yeah, I think I would agree with you on that. I did, the man trap didn't look great to me. The ice lollipop looked a bit too studenty. So I would say, yeah, Jingle and Geordie or the Kenilworth would be uh, my choice as well. Okay. Um, okay. Right. What's next on the main awards then? So the next one is the Ewan McGregor Award for gratuitous nudity not a lot to choose from here really <laughs> apart from our handstand superman <laughs> yeah i mean it's terry doing the handstand yeah. of course and I, I i i think that was a prosthetic he was wearing i think it was i don't think that was his real penis <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah i have to give it to that that's the the only, the only other thing you really see is the the bare arse of the couple shagging in the alleyway. Yeah, yeah, and well, I suppose there's the bit with when um, when Kay plays the cello with nothing on, but as we said before, ah, it, was, it yeah. was pretty tasteful. So yeah, I thought so. So yeah, I think we'll give it to uh, to Terry doing the handstand. Okay, uh, the James Cosmo Award for being in everything Scottish. Who did you have here? <sighs> it's between Dicky and McCarty, yeah. really. I, I think probably Dickie has more screen time and it's maybe... I think McCarty's probably been in more Scottish and he mm-hmm. has two biggish scenes, but I couldn't really separate. So, yeah, I, I had it between Dickie and McCarty. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think McCarty's been at it longer than, than Dickie, so maybe he just sort of pips her, maybe, I don't know. I would give it to McCarty then, purely because, although I thought Dickie was great, McCarty stuck out for me more in terms of funny moments and... Yeah. For his role, thank you. Um, okay, the uh, Jake McQuillan Your Tease Out Award. What'd you go for here? There's no violence in this film at all, I so I went for Danny stealing the clothes, just right. like as a as a revenge type thing for them taking the piss out of him. For I mean, that's almost there for the well, we'll come to best swearing, but uh, <laughs> the abuse that they give him, and then he just takes the clothes. But I I don't remember any violence in this at all. I couldn't think of any violence either. I had uh, Terry falling over from doing his handstand and cutting off part, oh. cutting off part of his toe but it's not really you know <laughs> he's i think he, if you do it to yourself would really count that much no so lots to choose from in the next one uh, but the francis begbie award for gratuitous swearing well what did you go for I went for, and I'm just quoting the character, but when your man has locked himself in the bathroom um, and his mate's like, come on, you know, come on, get out here. He, say, he says something like, there's tons of fucking Fenian fanny. Yeah. <laughs> I went for that. <laughs> Are you okay in there? Your pal's in an accident. He's cut off part of his toe and he's going to the hospital. I want Ailish. Oh, he wants Ailish. Come out here and shag these lasses, man. They're gagging for it. Yeah, watch your mouth hop along. Put your trousers on. I want Ailish. Oh, fuck Ailish, you sad bastard. The hoose is full of beautiful Fenian Fanny. He's got belly button piercings. Shut it! Okay. Uh, there's a couple of good ones. I think Danny's got a very good one when he tells them to fuck off. I'm not going to do a stutter to pretend, <laughs> but I thought that was good. Yeah. But my favourite had to be, I think, from Manda when Terry sits down next to him in the pillbox and he says, uh, champagne, you're celebrating. And she says, yeah, we will be when you fuck <laughs> yeah. off. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Uh, a special shout out as well after they see the couple shagging in the alley and they're coming out of the music hall and I think it's Kyla. I think she says, did you see our fucking dirty hue, the fucking big dirty hue? Yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> 
that was quite good. But yeah, there was quite a good uh, uses of, of swearing in this. I thought it was it was very carefully and, and very well done yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, archetypal Scottish moment. The amount of young people smoking. <laughs> yes. But uh, genuinely for me, it's the music. Um, yeah. Obviously, you have quite a few musical tracks. Anyway, you've got Big Country and Edwin Collins, but there are six Rabbi Burns songs yeah. in this film. Uh, so you've got A Fond Kiss, A Man's A Man For All That, Green Grow The Rashes, Red Red Rose, Auld Lang Syne, and Ye Banks and Braes. So purely Rabbi Burns music for me. Yeah, I, I, I had the submarine in a walk. <laughs> it's quite a Scottish thing. <laughs> Is it really? I mean, we didn't speak about the sailors. I mean, the spunky all... sailors. <laughs> spunky sailors. They're all daft, failed, wanking. Um, and they <laughs> they can't stop once they start. <laughs> they can't stop coming because of the pressure. So if they get if they get a cut in their finger, it won't stop bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would. I guess I would. Uh, yeah, I could see that. A subreading a lock. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that was archetypal Scottish, but yeah, we can give it to that as well. Okay, and then finally, last but not least, uh, the Sean Connery who got to go home and I guess we should say who got who got to go home and fuck the prom king um, for the award this yeah. year. Yeah, uh, who do you think won the film? Ah, it's it's all five for me. I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from me. Austin is K because I think she's brilliant yeah. but uh, so I would say that the main six but it's the main five I, I, I genuinely can't separate every time I think of one and think oh they were the best I, I then think of another character and think ah oh, no but they were so good I, I can't separate any of the main five actresses I think they all deserve to, to go home and fuck Dickie Dickinson <laughs> yes, young Greg <laughs> who let's face it must have been the Brom King yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 I genuinely can't separate any of them i think they all win it okay well i think that's a good pragmatic response i i had given it to i was kind of between rona morrison and marley sue but i Mm. tended to drift towards marley sue just because i don't know there was there was something quite i like the fact that she was a good singer but also Mm. some of the little scenes like um you know she sort of shows that she's maybe not the the brightest bulb in the group like when Mm. shell's like you know guys there uh, six o'clock and she's like looking the other way <laughs> she knows like six o'clock um, you know just like kind of bits like that um i thought i thought she was good but then so effortlessly devious as well in terms of like the way she gets the the girl from woolworth's pregnant yeah. and stuff to get her job she's so devious and i'm sorry whenever she puts on those fucking wayfarers <laughs> she just looks so cool yeah just oozes coolness with those <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, she's brilliant. She's really good. So, well, yeah, I mean, I think that must be the newest thing that we've done since uh, Caliber. I think. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it must be. Yeah, because as I say, it came out. This is what I'm going to worry about when I put this up because 2019 is officially, if you look at it on IMDb or Wikipedia, but it didn't really get a world release until 21. But I'll put it down as 19. Yeah, but yeah it must be one of the newest uh, since Caliber. Yeah, unless you're about to change that, Greg. So well, that was my choice. Not, and, uh, well, just before I tell you my choice, okay. I think we should give a Scottish actor a mention for mm. appearing in a 
big film uh, this month. So you may know him and love him as Evil Trevor from EastEnders. Um, but a- Alex Ferns is in the new Batman film as Commissioner Savage. Yeah. Which is, uh, I guess, you know, he's been... Uh, the last thing I saw him in was Chernobyl, uh, the HBO mm. drama. Um, but yeah, I thought we should give Alex some... Well done, Alex, for getting in the well Batman. Well Alex. Yeah. He's yeah. come a long way since Little Mo smacked you with the iron. <laughs> he certainly has. Did. And then blew himself up. Um, had a terrible inferno. Okay, Greg. So uh, that was my choice then with our ladies. Uh, why don't you tell us what we're going to be looking at on the Swally next time? Uh, well, last year we did train spotting and we did hmm. we spoke a little bit about train spotting two or T two as it's often recalled uh, referred to. So I thought it's about time that we had a proper look at it. So oh wow, next week uh, we can be this we can talk about train spotting two and how it's good, but it's not quite as good as porno. The book that it's based on. <laughs> no. No, it's not. Oh, I'll look forward to that. Yeah. And funnily enough, I, when we reviewed Train Spotting, I watched Train Spotting 2 afterwards yeah. because wanted to see it again. And yeah, oh, loved it. I'll look forward to discussing that with you next time on the Swally then. Cool. Alrighty. Fantastic. Okay, well, everyone, well, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. And as I say, I hope we didn't spoil our ladies for you too much. You did have warnings when we started. Um, if you would like to follow us on Instagram, you can follow us at Culture Swally Pod, or you can follow us on Twitter at Swally Pod. Or if you have anything you'd like us to review, or hey, if you've seen anything funny in Scottish news that you would like us to discuss in the podcast, you can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com or if you just want to get in touch and say how much you enjoyed the podcast we would really enjoy that and if you have uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast if you want to rate review subscribe on itunes or wherever you get it we would really appreciate that it helps the podcast grow so uh anything from your side greg no nope, nothing from my side this week okay yeah, I'm good. all right fantastic i'm gonna go and see if uh my wife's up for some of the bondage <laughs> this is the weekend <laughs> <laughs> Well, as if Train Spotting 2 wasn't enough for you to tune into the next episode, <laughs> we'll be finding out how Greg got on with the bondage. Okay. <laughs> right. Until next time. Until <laughs> next time, Greg. So, some of you are going to Edinburgh for the first time today. It's a beautiful city, very exciting. But I must warn you, it is also a place of sinful wickedness. There are men there that would use and discard girls like you with barely a second thought. You will carry yourselves with grace today. Yes, Vanilla? See when you say use and discard, sister? How do you mean? (laughs) 